1: likeable female characters the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about female characters who don't give a damn if you like them i'm wendy hurd and i'm here with lane fargo hello and Kristen leipiaka hello and today we have a very special guest we are so excited uh can you say hello miss amanda lovelace
0: hi
2: we're so excited so excited so excited i'm excited to be here thank you for asking me
1: Well, if you're not familiar with Amanda's work, which I feel like all of the world is, like you're one of the two poets who is always in Target. So I don't understand how this could not be. But (laughs) Amanda is a well-known poet and she has a beautiful series called the um, Women Are Some Kind of Magic series. uh, And she's just as gorgeous work. It's absolutely beautiful. Amanda, would you mind telling us a little bit about the series that you've uh, been working on?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Women are some kind of magic. It's composed of three books so far. Uh, The Princess Saves Herself in this one, The Witch Doesn't Burn in this one, and The Mermaid's Voice Returns in this one. It started with Princess, of course, the first book, and it started as a self-published book. Uh, Much shorter than it is now. Um, It was just kind of an idea I had one day. I wanted to kind of, like, insert myself in my favorite YA fantasy books. But make it uniquely me and about me. So, basically making myself my own badass heroine. Um, And thankfully, with the support of, like, the book community on Tumblr, on Instagram, um, I got a lot of support. And I had... um, a publisher reached out to me, Andrews McNeil, and the rest is history. They ended up publishing that again, and I made it longer. And then I published the rest of my books with them.
1: So I feel like you started out on Tumblr. Am I right about that?
2: I did, yeah. So tell me about that. Okay, so Tumblr was kind of a mishmash of all my interests. Um, I had a lot of my feminist musings, um, but I was mostly a book blog. I shared a lot about books, but also sort of the intersection of feminism plus books. Um, So that's, it was like the perfect mixture of what ended up being Princess, you know, my love of books and feminism and girl power. Did you always write poetry? Uh, yeah, I started posting some poetry here and there on Tumblr. You know, a Tumblr, especially back when I was using it, it's pretty dead now, but back when I was using it, it was really big on writing and sharing, like, the kind of poetry that I was sharing. That's where my style really developed. It was very short, uh, with very short line breaks, and then Tumblr actually had a setting there where when you posted quotes, um that the title would go at the bottom and there would automatically be uh, this sort of dash. And that's where I developed that style. Um, And that's why you see it like it's also in Rupees books, uh, Milk and Honey, uh, because we both started there. Uh, That's that's pretty much where that style started. I really like that style. Yeah, it's my favorite. Wow. And
1: what about this book that you uh, just released?
2: Okay, so I just released To Drink Coffee with a Ghost. It is a sequel slash companion to another book called uh, To Make Monsters Out of Girls. I love that um, book. Oh, thank you. Um, I describe the series as sort of like a walk through my past and sort of delving deeper into issues I sort of touched on in Princess because, of course, Princess is my life story. So these two stories are little pieces in that book, but I really wanted to be able to expand on them um, in a way where, um, that was different from Princess so I wanted to take a paranormal route um, and sort of almost like a realistic paranormal route so with... Uh, monsters I did vampires but um of course vampires depending on your views they're real or not real <laughs> but um it was more about like the energy vampire manipulation abusive relationship kind of uh view uh sort of story and then with the sequel to drink coffee with the ghosts that's more about the relationship with my mom and it's a walk through all of the things left unsaid, and it's basically a letter to her, you know, we had a really complicated relationship. Um, While I was in it, I didn't even realize, you know, just how toxic it was and abusive it was. So I wanted to sort of write my way through that. And um, I did it with her, like, (laughs) the book starts out where I'm using a Ouija board, which I don't necessarily recommend, <laughs> but um, I'm talking to her, communicating with her, and just sort of getting everything off my chest, and it's sort of like mourning her in a way. I When I read Mo- To Make Monsters Out of Girls, I was just like, I it was like
1: the intersection of everything that I could ever want at the same time. I was like, it's paranormal. It's vampire It's Amanda Lovelace. It's poetry.
2: It's everything at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I like to describe it as like my anti Twilight book. Not that I'm not a Twilight fan, but I did want to kind of take like a, well, what if Twilight was more realistic and also more like recognizing the toxicity, the manipulation, the abuse? Like, what would that actually be like if it wasn't all like, you know, lying in a meadow and, <laughs> and kissing Sputting. oh twilight did you guys like
3: twilight um i have read all the twilight books and i own all the movies ah. but i hate twilight but i Yay. love
0: twilight so. i know <laughs> Team I, jacob obviously obviously i read the books and I don't even remember what I can say about whether or not I liked them, but it was shortly after I finished reading maybe the second one that like I started writing again after like 10 years of not writing again, or of not writing. So I kind of credit Twilight with like making me become a writer for real
3: weird (laughs) so it's so interesting because it's the way that it's written like you kind of hate it as you're reading it but it's so compelling like you can't stop reading it and there's a skill to that Um, there is
0: absolutely a skill to that like Mm -hmm. yeah for sure there's a skill
3: to it the writing's not even good you know it's not (laughs) like it's because
1: the writing is so good it's just the storytelling that you can't stop reading Yep. yeah
3: and all the discourse around twilight fascinates me because i mean obviously people like to shit on it because it's something that Teenage girls like, which yeah. is a whole other issue. But yeah, I have definitely like a love-hate relationship with Twilight and with Fifty Shades of Grey. Actually, like oh, all God. that stuff. It's like I've read <laughs> them, I've seen the movies. I like hate them, but I kind of can't stop. <laughs> if you try to like say out
1: the synopsis of of Eclipse, and you're like, so she gets pregnant, and he has to chew the baby out of her stomach but it's Wendy, okay that's
3: breaking dawn i mean you. breaking God, dawn
1: sorry <laughs> and then like you know it's okay because but then you know jacob he it turns out he's soulmates but with the baby which is like why i was always like well then why wasn't jacob soulmates with edward's sperm if he was soulmates <laughs> with bella's ovaries why wasn't he also in love with edward because of the sperm
2: That's a real question.
0: Honestly,
1: it really
2: sounds like a V C Andrews book, like when you explain it like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, oh, you know, but then she's going to reach sexual maturity at age seven. So Jacob can have sex with her earlier. And then it's just like, what is happening?
2: (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Well, that took a turn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so but no, weird. I
2: think Twilight was, like, I think it was the storytelling for sure, but it was really accessible. I remember taking a YA course in college, and the teacher was complaining about it, and she was like, oh, like, it reads like it's meant for middle school uh, readers. And I'm like, well, at least it's helping people learn to love the act of reading, you know? Yeah.
0: For sure, like, I mean, books like... Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey and Harry Potter to some extent like people rag on them but it's also like there are people who like have literally not read any other books in the past 10 years but they've read those you know and so that means like that got them to read books that's amazing yeah for Honestly,
1: sure it's just like I remember the Sweet Valley High books that I read when I they were already like way vintage even for me but like I would get so much shit for my like literary family members I'm like Why do you care? Well, I could watch TV, but I can't read Sweet Valley High. It's not going to turn me into a blonde, like, boy-obsessed bimbo just because I read this book. Settle down. Let girls (laughs) like what they like.
0: Right. Like, like, there's nothing to be ashamed about for reading literally anything. So, read what you want.
3: The whole concept of guilty pleasures is very gendered. Like, men don't really talk about that, but women do. And I say, fuck that. Like, just... Have pleasures. Don't be guilty. Well,
1: Amanda, would you mind reading us something from, uh, from Ghost?
2: Yeah, sure. And tell
1: me why you're picking this one.
2: Okay, I'm picking this one because it's about Gilmore Girls. And um, it's very—I don't know about how it is over there, but it's very fall-like here. And when I think of fall and I think of autumn, I really like—I really go back to Gilmore Girls. I actually just started rewatching it, so it's kind of been on my mind, <laughs> just a little bit. Okay, so I'm gonna get to reading. I used to tell people you were the Lorelei to my Rory, the ultimate package, not just mother and daughter, but the best of friends. As I grow older, I wonder how many times Rory went to bed feeling empty, wishing for a mother, and just that, a mother, for that someone who would tell her what she needed to do when life was just too much to handle without ever expecting anything from her in return. Chasing Emily Chasing Emily
3: Oh, I love I that, and I love so Gilmore good. Girls so much. It's one of my favorite shows of all time, and I always really related to it too because I had a um, very close relationship with my mom. We were kind of best friends, and uh, although I always thought I was more like Lorelai, and she was more she was the responsible one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love that poem, and Team Jess also, by the way. uh Same here. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in your bio, and I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's weird because, you know, when I was younger and I was watching Gilmore Girls with my mom, um, you know, it was like, again, like I talked about it in the poem, like the ultimate package, exactly what you would want from a mother, a mother and daughter relationship. Um, But now that I look back, it's just, it's so much more complicated than that because my mom was a lot like Lorelai and there were times where I wished like I could have more of an Emily in my life. Someone who would like tell me what to do because I was just a kid, you know, I didn't have... Like, while I was a lot like Rory, I still needed help, like, making decisions. You know, she had that kind of guidance, but she was more willing to just, you know, be, like, a girlfriend and not just help me, guide me through life. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think about that because I'm a mom and my daughter and I are really close. And um, I think one time we were watching the Gilmore Girls together and she said something like – see, you should be more like Lorelai. Or she says something like that. She's like, you're so much more strict or like, you're so much more of a mom. And I was thinking <laughs> about that. Like, of course, that's what she thinks she wants. Right. But then on the other hand, I think actually was kind of glad that she said that because, you know, you don't you know, you're I don't doing know. it right. Yeah. Right. I was kind of like, OK, good. I, I, <laughs> I it's nice to think of being best friends and you can be best friends, but you also have to be it's like a feeling of security for them to know that someone is driving the car
2: mm-hmm. yeah I wish right. there was just sort of like a perfect mix like mm-hmm. Emily is I think too extreme Yeah, and Lorelai too but they're like on two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to that like I think Lorelai is way too lax and makes it more of a partnership than a mother daughter relationship but that Emily veers too far into like I am like your authority figure so to see like a sort of balance between that I think would be ideal but you know we don't live in that perfect world <laughs> right think the only problem i have with the character development in that show is
1: actually in rory because i feel like Mm. she's never allowed to have flaws or like it's like her character is so like madonna and you know Mm. what i mean and like all the things she does are so like g-rated versions of what a teenager who was raised like that or who would be like that would actually probably do and it's not until she's like in college and like the last couple you know or maybe even like the later version in the here in the life where she actually does things where it's like, okay, that I can make that like her dad comes and goes from her life and she's never anything but kind and happy about it. Like she's never angry. You know what I mean? I just wish they would have let her be a little bit more
2: raw. Yeah, I can't relate to that. I was such an angry kid. Me too. You know, I was a lot like Rory, you know, with the book in one hand. yeah me like, too. I was just I was very angry at my life circumstances. It's hard to just sit by and, you know, just smile it all the way it's very unrealistic like in my opinion
3: yeah and that's one of my favorite things about your poetry is how you can really feel the anger in each line in some of your poems <laughs> and it's so cathartic like it just really
2: speaks to me and that's I me like... after like i try to not be as angry <laughs>
3: you gotta like let it out somehow I don't know I mean I write um, you know my debut novel is about very angry women and I um, love it already (laughs) and writing it I kind of realized just how angry I actually am I feel like it it is cathartic writing about your anger gets it out but it's like there's always more like as a woman living under the patriarchy like there's always something more to be angry about (laughs) it just keeps coming
0: every day is a new opportunity to find things to be angry about for sure
2: yes Yes. Yeah, that's what I love about poetry. It's like, while I was talking about being angry, it was more of like an internal anger. And it just sort of, I guess it showcased as like, numb, like being numb, when I was younger. So now like writing is like where I get to be angry. You know, I wrote a whole book about the anger of women and my anger, um, which was the witch doesn't burn in this one. And I cannot tell you like how cathartic it was. Um, They were all things basically, I feel like I couldn't say out loud. And it was right before the start of the Me Too movement, um, where it was just sort of like, um, just kind of starting. So that book, I think came out right when I needed it to. Mm -hmm.
1: But here's my question. What does it feel like to have these very personal works of poetry out and in such a public way?
2: Um... So it's always a bit nerve-wracking, especially before the release of a book, because you really, you never know how people are going to react, especially with something so personal. Um, I was especially worried before the release of Witch, which again, that's a very angry, um, some would say man-hating book. Um, We love that here. (laughs) (laughs) um, So I had no idea how it would be received. And I was shocked at how many women and other survivors came forward and say, hey, like, like, I see you, and this is my story, too. And um, I don't know if you happen to know this, but in Brazil, they really, really love Witch. Um, they I've had... seen it on your Twitter. Yeah, they had basically the kind of Me Too movement we had in the U.S., but way before us. So they, like, really, really connect with that story, and I think that's awesome. That must be such a trip. Yeah, like, you know, a country I've never been in and like a language I can't speak and they're reading my words and the fact that I can reach across like that is just like it it blows my mind every single day
1: you handled this really well you always seem very composed I saw I met you in person so the way I know Amanda is that I went to one of her book events when she was on tour in LA Um, and I brought my daughter and like she signed books to my daughter and it was really awesome and then I don't know I just bugged her until she started to become used to it I guess like <laughs> agent sisters right oh yeah yeah Lauren and then like yeah and then my agent signed her and I thought I was gonna die I was like no Lauren you don't understand that's Amanda Lovelace Lauren was like no I know that's why I'm trying to
3: <laughs> yeah Wendy was DMing us a lot that day we were all very excited
0: oh, so <laughs>
2: excited <laughs> um what I remember about that reading in LA was I couldn't hear a single thing I took a plane for the first time over to the west coast that's right And for some reason, that's when uh, my ears decided to just clog and never unclog again. I remember (laughs) that. Yeah, but it's like I I went all the way there. I wasn't going to cancel the event. So I just kind of uh, my spouse was there, Cyrus Parker, we were doing we were doing the event together. And uh, I had to look to them for direction about like what was happening because um, I, I seriously could not hear myself over the microphone. So when you told me that, I was like, I would have had no idea. You handled it
1: so well. You just read, you did a reading, you talked to people. Like, (laughs) I don't know how you did it. And one of the things I really connect to in your poems is your use of white space. Um, It's really hard for me sometimes to make my way through like dense text or like I get a little overwhelmed. Um, and especially with poems, like poems that take up the whole page and there's not like enough space between. That's why I like poems with stanzas because there's like a break. But um, I really love reading your poems because I can actually like just relax and like read every single word and it's just like I can actually
2: absorb it. And that's what I love about poetry is that it, at least modern poetry, like it forces you to just view each poem separately and sort of just sit with it for a while. And like that's why I love writing them too is because – you basically put all of your best lines on each like on separate pages and um you get to just you know see how people react you know those are like I usually save uh each of those pages for my most like visceral emotional poems and it's sort of like (laughs) people describe it's like they can't even read two pages at a time because it's just too much (laughs) I can see that
3: I would love to hear more about your writing process because I mean we're you know we're all novelists and we're a mess, making these crazy outlines <laughs> and everything. <laughs> yeah, like what 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 is um yeah what's your process and what's kind of like a day in the life for you as a writer? I would be really curious to know.
2: So I do have to say I don't write every day. Um, mm-hmm. that would be like especially when I'm writing such heavy stuff, it's too much to write every day, and yeah. I have to sort of like sit back and be inspired again. You know, like especially with what I do, it's a little different than fiction. It's you know I'm. Uh, deriving or drawing inspiration from my real-life experiences so I sort of just like always have my nap uh, my note uh, uh, sorry my notes app handy so that I can write down like you know my inspirations uh, little lines here and there that eventually become either whole poems or part of poems Um, but with my poetry books I usually start with the title that's usually always where I start and then I sort of figure out a story arc. So I get like the sort of parts all set up like with Ghost. It's um, I believe it's Ghost Mother, Ghost Daughter and Sun Showers. Um, so I knew it was going to be, you know, how my poetry collections usually go. It's, you know, pretty much a downer halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, i like to lift it up either with empowerment or inspiration. Um, with this one, it's very like healing and sort of coming to contentment with grief and um looking back and knowing that the person that you love the most like isn't perfect and did treat you wrong but at the same time you love them so I like to craft a story as I go you know I fill it in as I go um I don't write everything in order because again that's unrealistic for me um but yeah that's pretty much how it goes for all my poetry collections it is kind of, it's like a three-act structure that you do, which is really interesting because that's like what we yeah. do as novelists.
3: Um, it is like a very similar structure overall. That's so cool.
2: Yeah, with these two books, it was pretty much that three-act structure, but with my Women Are Some Kind of Magic series, it was sort of a far, uh, four-act structure mm-hmm. um, yeah. where I did that three-act, but at the end, I always, I like to have a little section of um, like inspiring notes from me from the universe however you want to see it just reaching out to the reader because you know I know people who pick up my books have been through similar things and I don't want it to just ever like be my story I want it to also be their story
0: I love that
1: do you think that um like I know that you've worked with a lot of autobiography do you plan to ever work with anything that's less autobiographical
2: Um, Well, actually, the book I'm coming out with next, uh, that comes out on March 17th, it's called Break Your Glass Slippers. Um, It's very much like a modern day Cinderella kind of story. Um, While it is technically fictional, um, I still like everything I write about is through the lens of my experiences. So while it is fiction, it also really isn't, Um, you know, it's like we all are Cinderella in the story, especially... If you're a woman and having uh, similar experiences.
1: It is fiction, and yet it really isn't. That's like the Mm -hmm. description
3: for... (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
1: (laughs) We hide things. We hide autobiography behind things, basically.
3: Yes. (laughs) And we get paid to do it. Like, we're living the dream. (laughs) True.
1: So one thing I wanted to ask you about. So recently, I... I found out via Instagram that you had an interest in tarot and that you did tarot. So I got one of your tarot readings and it was wonderful. It was amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with tarot?
2: Yeah, so I actually talk about it a little bit in To Drink Coffee with a Ghost. Um, When I was younger, my mom was sort of going through a spiritual awakening and she became transfixed by tarot cards by oracle cards we had them laying everywhere in the house and you know someone who was always into witchy shit like i saw it and i was like wow yeah i like that and i want more of that so she ended up giving me tarot cards for my birthday i actually i don't have that deck anymore which makes me sad um i believe it was an oracle deck to do with angels and uh I always felt limited though because back then we don't we didn't have the witch um communities we have now on social media so there were still a lot of misconceptions and it was very hard to dig through the misconceptions to find the truth so i always felt like i couldn't actually read the cards because i thought i had to be psychic or i thought i had to um uh, memorize the meanings but you know eventually on tumblr like there was a big resurgence in the witch community and i learned eventually like you don't need to do any of those things um you just you can read completely intuitively you can incorporate meanings um what i did was sort of like a mix between the two i definitely studied the traditional meanings and i'm still studying them because i feel like the learning never ends uh, at all for tarot cards because they can mean so many different things um But I like to read intuitively, you know, just to study the cards and see what meaning pops out to me. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like this painful process that a lot of people think it is to like memorize or think you have to be psychic. Um, To me, it's almost like meditation. Um, I don't like to make it like a big negative thing because a lot of people think tarot cards can be negative. I know (laughs) every time I read for my sister, she really thinks like I'm going to pull the death card every time. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I like to it's, was part of my own spiritual awakening
1: like people are afraid you're going to tell them some awful thing that's going to happen
2: always always my sister's always like oh my god that card is reverse I'm gonna die (laughs) no No, like like and it's not even true that reverse meanings are like the opposite meanings or like the negative meanings because honestly the upright cards there's a lot of them have have that have uh, less than positive meanings so it doesn't really work that way
3: So I'm like, I have kind of a casual interest in tarot. I have a couple decks and I just read for myself every once in a while. And I kind of approach it in that intuitive way too, where I just look at the imagery on the cards and kind of see what it brings up for me. I almost think of it like it's like dream imagery and you're accessing this part of your subconscious that you would usually only access when you're asleep, but you can do it when you're awake. Uh, That's how I think of it. Like it just helps me unlock things in my brain and I'll look at the cards and then journal whatever comes to
2: mind. And it's kind of part of my creative process now. I really love it. Yeah, for sure. I use it a lot in my meditations. I'll meditate and, and like pull a card. And like I just try to drop like all of my like my ego based thoughts, which are more like my fear based thoughts, because I don't everything tarot is trying to like antagonize you or give you bad news. It's more like here is reality. Here's how you can prepare. Or like sometimes, you know, of course there's positive cards too, but <laughs> a lot of people think that they're mostly negative or scary. And I really hope that um, sort of like stereotype dies out as um, witchy things and tarot cards become more popular because there's a lot of empowerment and inspiration to come from cards.
0: I totally agree. And I think that like, like you were saying, like the, the death card seems scary and it does look scary, but like, it's actually not scary. It's not, it's like not one yeah, of not the scariest in the deck. Yeah.
2: It's all about new beginnings and it's mm-hmm. about endings that lead to things that are so much better for you and that make sure that you're going to be on the path that you were meant to be on.
3: I just find I'll end up drawing the same card over and over like when I'm kind of stuck on something in my life. Like last year um, or earlier this year. Oh, my God. This year has felt so long. <laughs> earlier this year when my debut novel was coming out, I kept drawing the temperance card over and over. Oh, that's and over. my <laughs> favorite card. I love that card. It's my favorite card now because it just kept coming up. And I was like reading all these different descriptions of what it meant. And I mean, it's all about like finding balance, right? Which is what I feel like I've been trying yeah. to do this year. Like find balance between all these different things in my life now that I'm a published author, which is still really new for me. But yeah, I love,
2: love that card. Now I'm like happy to see it. But at first I was like, what the fuck? Like I keep getting this card. <laughs> yeah. So, um, as a witch, um, I do work with goddess Persephone and she is the one I most associate with temperance, you know, that balance sort of between mm-hmm. like the dark and the light, the bad and the good, and sort of just learning to juggle it all. Oh, I love that. And I think like as women, especially like, like, That's something that we need to be told that we don't have to be like nurturing all the time or we don't even have to be strong all the time, you know, like we can just be. Yes, absolutely.
1: I noticed in the reading that you did for me um, in the picture you sent along with it, there were Mm -hmm. almost am I right about this? There were three different types of cards. There's, like, a big one, some medium oh, yeah, size yeah. ones, and then some smaller
2: ones. Yeah, at the time, I think I was reading for you, like, sometimes, you know, some days I'm like, I need more cards. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. in the right state of mind. I need to be able to see really clearly. Um, So I think for you, yeah, I did the Everyday Witch deck, which is just a regular tarot deck, like the regular 78 traditional deck.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I was pulling something that I've been playing with for the last couple of months. They're called Lennerman cards. That is technically, I think, a type of Oracle deck. They're very straightforward. Like if you want a yes or no answer, like you want to go to those. Um, So I use those to sort of just clear up the tarot cards to put them in like a more clear perspective. So I can like give a better answer because again, like tarot cards can mean so many things that it's sometimes difficult, especially if you're not sitting right in front of someone because you can't ask that many questions um, to sort of have that clarification. And then at the end, I like to tie it up with um, an oracle card um, from the Everyday Witch Oracle. You'll, if you looked at the picture, you probably noticed they looked a lot similar to the regular tarot cards I was yeah, using, but way yeah. bigger. Yeah, way bigger. Oracle c- cards <laughs> tend to be big boys, so uh, <laughs> um, those are sort of the. That's like a companion deck to it, but oracle cards tend to be like bigger and more positive and sort of like more affirmative so i really like to end my readings on that positive note
1: there are also crystals in this picture is that just decoration or is there like a meaning (laughs) behind which ones are in there
2: uh usually when i do tarot readings for myself or for other people i really like to have like some kind of amethyst uh crystal nearby um it's associated with like psychic energy your intuition Um, so I need that energy a lot when I'm reading. Um, Sometimes I'll have a quartz crystal to help me see clearly, but yeah, those are usually the crystals I have around. It's funny because, okay, so my
1: mom is a hippie, and (laughs) I grew up around all these, like, hippie friends of my mom's. He's like, because I'm from California. I'm from San Francisco and LA, so, like, when I say hippie, I mean, like, fucking hippie. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, this is, like, top shelf, like, the, the the cream of the crop hippie culture out here (laughs) and i swear to god like every time I, I have these memories with my mom of her like rubbing some rock on me and me being like mom stop rubbing rocks on me She like this is a such and such type of quartz it's gonna blah 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 i like one time I was over there and suddenly I'm standing on a on a crystal and she's like p- trying to get it on my foot chakra I'm like mom stop
3: <laughs> see I grew up in a very conservative Christian home and I'm pretty sure all of my family thinks that my like crystals and tarot decks are like gonna send me straight into the devil's embrace oh yeah <laughs> but, um, <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, I have crystals all over my office too. I just find them, um, yeah, just kind of soothing. And I can't keep plants alive, so they're like my attempt to bring natural (laughs) things into my office. (laughs) I love nature, but I
1: can't keep plants alive either. I try so
3: hard, I can't. I suck so bad. I don't try; I just let them die. But I don't (laughs) bring—I don't bring them into my house. It's like if somebody gives them to me. So yeah, that's probably really bad. Why did you send this plant here to die? (laughs) <laughs> that's what I said um Hallie Sutton sent me this beautiful orchid a few months ago and I was like this is so beautiful but like I want you to know it's not going to last very
2: long <laughs> but I'll, I'll appreciate it while it's here Aww. and I did yeah and I can't it... keep plants alive either so I switched to air plants and I still kill them <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're basically you know about plants them? like you don't need to water hardly ever like they barely need any sunlight and I still somehow manage every time to kill them
3: hmm I wondered if I could keep those alive, but like now I'm thinking, no, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll stick with my crystals. They can't die.
0: <laughs>
1: I, see, have... I like crystals. They're so cool. I did like I want them, but I don't know what they mean. And I
0: don't want to ask my mom.
3: <laughs> ask the
1: internet. Google. Docs. the
0: internet or the nice ladies in the witch stores. Like <sighs> they, they know all the
3: answers. Pick them up and like see how they make me feel. Like I really like um, Labradorite. That's probably my favorite. The Just black like, one? No, it's, like, kind of green and blue and, like, all sorts of different colors Mm. and has, like, black lines through it. I don't know. It just makes me really happy.
0: I have a big old chunk of pyrite on my desk.
3: Mm. Mm. So
1: dogs and pirates, this is what I'm hearing. Labradorite and pyrite. (laughs) (laughs) If that's your takeaway,
0: sure. (laughs) Sure. We're learning so much. I like both of those things.
1: So, Amanda, where can people go to learn more about your tarot
2: and get readings from you? So right now I'm on uh, a mini hiatus from taking tarot readings just because I was working on so much. But pretty soon uh, tarot readings will be opening again on lovelacetarot.com. Okay, cool.
1: I remember there were different levels of tarot reading I could get.
2: Uh, yeah, I tend to do, like, um, two card readings, three card readings, five, but you know from your experience that that's not actually what you're getting. You're getting way more. Um, yeah. Because, um, because the things like those clarifying cards and the oracle card at the end, those are all to help me give you a better reading, so... And like I asked you specifically to give me a reading based on some creative
1: stuff I'm starting and was feeling doubtful about. And it was so helpful and like so on the nose. I was very, very impressed. And it was such a write up. I was like, this must have taken her
2: forever. Oh, I'm glad. I appreciated it. I always appreciate feedback because it's like, especially through email, you never quite know if what you said, like, like struck a tune or anything. So getting feedback is really important for a tarot reader. So thank you. Do you do them in person ever? Um, sometimes, I'm, like, a bit of a nervous in-person reader, um, you know, a lot of talk in the tarot community is, like, you shouldn't use your book ever, you shouldn't look things up ever, so it's, like, I get nervous when people, like, if they'll think, like, you're unprofessional for looking up a meaning, but honestly, like, thinking back to college, I had, like, sign language professors, they went to their books just to make sure, like, and these were people who, um, like, for example, my, yeah, my sign language teacher, she, spoken sign language all day you know and she still yeah. needed to look things up and i don't think there's any shame in that you know we're all learning always i mean i have yeah. to look words up in english Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, i
3: have like <laughs> thesaurus.com open whenever i'm writing I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and we're That's all writers
2: same. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: See? all right well thank you so much for being on with us amanda yeah yes, of course thank you, thank so you for much. having me wonderful. again this was awesome yes it was really fun and you know what this is such a great Halloween episode. We're so... This is the best thing we could have possibly asked for.
2: Uh, every day is Halloween. <laughs> <Yay, laughs>
3: yes. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.